So we're starting a new series today, a three-part series on prayer. It's called, uh, the, the series is entitled, My Secret Prayer Life. My Secret Prayer Life. And today's message is entitled, Five Ways to Increase My Personal Communion with God. Five Ways to, to Deepen, Increase My Personal Communion with God. Prayer is an invitation to a deeper intimacy with God. When somebody says to you, uh, hey, uh, can we talk? And you're like, mm. uh, and you just know that it's going to go to a deeper level. There's going to be some issues we're going to talk about. But it's going to be a good chat, and we'll get through this. And, you, and, and when you've had the talk, uh, you're closer, you're more stronger. That's what it's all about. The secret prayer life, where prayer is an invitation to come, come, let's talk. Let's have a chat. There's a great need among us. There's a great need among us for this spiritual depth, this spiritual intimacy with God. Now, all of us have a prayer life some way or the other. At least if you have no prayer at all in your life, at least there's grace, right? You say grace at the beginning of the meal, and at the end of the meal, you go, hmm. There's something, something there, or before an exam, or before you miss the train, or something like that. There's some vague you know, signs of a prayer life. But then there's those of us who actually have a prayer life or you're talking about, to God about something. So it's come somewhat organized. I'm saying wherever we are, I'm asking God to take us to another level, to take us to a deeper level of communion with Him. And I'm saying to you today, without a shadow of a doubt, that if that area of your life is vibrant, if it's on fire, if it's ignited, if that personal walk with God, that personal time of prayer, your prayer life, is real, authentic, vibrant, living, active, if that's there, then every other aspect of your spiritual life, every other aspect of your life, relationships and all of it, will, will be just some, all the more beautiful. It'll be all the more enjoyable. Worship at, at church will be more enjoyable when you've been in the presence of God alone. Prayer with the home group people will be more enjoyable. Reading the word will be more enjoyable. Talking about spiritual things. Everything comes to life even more when there has been the spiritual, personal, secret prayer life. Are you with me so far? That's introduction to the whole series. And I'm saying that if we, if we take that seriously and we start doing something about it for the, for the rest of this year... That by the end of this year, we come up with some serious change in that. We're going to really enjoy it. Really, really enjoy it. There's a great need among us for a deeper spiritual life. You're riding on church, on coming to a lively church, or reading some great books, or going to a good home group where the home group shepherds are very lively and are on fire for God. You've got a good friend or a best friend who's praying for you. You're riding on someone else's faith. You're riding on someone else's strength. And God is saying to you, come spend some time with me. You don't need anybody else. I can set you on fire and you will not have to look in any other direction for anything else. My friends, my brothers and sisters, my desire, I want us to become... I want us to come before God in humility and ask him to give us a hunger for his presence. I want us to come to God in humility and ask him to give us a hunger for his presence. Because it's all about appetite. It is all about appetite. Two 
for our lives to be driven by the power that comes from a well-watered secret prayer life. I repeat, for our lives to be driven by the power that comes from a well-watered secret prayer life. That the gumption you've got, this attitude you've got, this confidence that you've got, this holy arrogance that you have comes from having just been with God. You got the latest download, the most latest update. You've just been with him. You know what's going on in his mind and heart. I just spoke to the boss and I've got the latest update on what's going on. That confidence comes from having been in the closet with God. And these are the things I want for us. Number three, I want us that, you know, in your list of concerns that you pray about, the concern about your relationship with God. First of all, that needs to be a concern. Secondly, in the list, it needs to slowly work its way up to the top. Because the Bible says your faith is more precious than gold. That means economy, Forex, the dollar rate, and Dubai. More, more precious than gold. More precious than all the money in the world is your faith. So as a concern, are you with me so far? Yeah? As a pastor and as a person who my, I myself am longing for a deeper place with God, I invite you along with me, over the next few weeks, over the next few months, in this year, to start going in that direction. All right, time to look at some uh, scripture. Over the next three weeks, we're going to look at three instances when Jesus asked us to pray. And he said, pray for this or pray for that. And we're going to look at that. And the reason why I'm confident about this is because when Jesus said pray about it, you can tell, you can be sure that that prayer point has been tested. Yeah, you know that it's being prayed in God's will and therefore you have the assurance of God's answer if you're praying for what Jesus has asked you to pray about. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at verses 5 through 8. Allow me to read through the whole passage for you. Then we'll break it down and go through this passage slowly, giving you five ways after that uh, to deepen your personal commune with God. All right. And when you pray, I'm in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. And when you pray, not if you pray, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father, who sees and meets with you in secret, will reward you. Will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for all their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, many of you have heard this message many, many times before this passage. You've heard messages on this passage. Don't tune out. Yeah? Don't decide you already know the interpretation to this passage. Don't decide there's only one application to it. Uh, ask the Spirit of God, what is he going to tell you today from this passage for today, for your life today? All right, start from the top. So you've got the hypocrites. The hypocrites stand in public places because their spiritual life is on display in public. It's not in the private 
world. It's not in the secret closet. It's not one-on-one with God. It's out there for everyone to see. They're probably not talking to God in private, but they want the whole world to think that everything's doing great for them in their spiritual life. So on street corners, they stand, not kneel, they stand and pray so that people may see them. Ooh, all right. But here's the key phrase. He says, but when you pray, you're not them. He's not saying you're them. You are different. When you pray, this is what you got to do. Go into the room. Go into the room. He's assuming that you're going in alone. Yes? You're going in alone. And why should you go into the room when you are to pray? Because your relationship with God is private. Your time with God is private. It's just you and him. It doesn't involve anybody else. Your time with God is private, so you go into the room. The second thing you do is you shut the door. You shut the door. So firstly, your time with God is private. Secondly, your time with God is protected. Protected. So you come in and shut the door because it's private. But you shut the door because you don't want anybody else coming in. And you've got to protect your walk with God. Some of the biggest enemies of your walk with God, your private time, not your relationship to God, but your private time with God. One of the greatest enemies is mom and dad and brother and sister and driver and others. Some of the biggest enemies are not the devil standing outside. The devil is like, they won't let me in. Because the family takes care of it. The family makes sure that no one else in the family spends any quiet time with God. So you open your Bible and you're spending time and you're communing with God and all that. And mom, mom is screaming from there, did you get this? Did you get that? Have you come? Answer the door, this, that. The phone has been ringing. Oh, this is again you haven't done. And you hear all these sounds and there's no disconnect. I mean, you just, no disconnect. And my father, I remember my father saying in our home, when somebody is having their quiet time, leave them alone. Because we were at one stage in our life, there were six of us in a two-room set with a back door, back entrance. It was two rooms set. Some humble days those were. And there was no private space. There was no room. There was no door. Okay, the whole family was inside. But you got to do. You got to make it private. And sometimes even the family themselves is the is is biggest hurdle to that. However, I go into the room because my time is private. I shut the door because my time is protected. And I pray to my father. I pray to my father. He doesn't say pray to God. He doesn't say offer prayers. He says talk to your father. And your father is in secret. Talk to your father who is in secret. Are you thinking with me? Are you thinking with me? So you come in the door, right? You come into the room and you shut the door and you shut out the world outside. You shut out all your other people and relationships and you protect your time. And as you turn around, there he is. He's there. He's been there all along. He's waiting for you. He has been waiting for you. Wherever you take time out and you segregate yourself, you set yourself apart and you shut the door out on the world and all your relationships and all your your distractions and you find time to be with God, boom, he's there. He's there. So your father who is in, say it, in secret. Now the word secret simply means in private, in quiet, in in seclusion. 
Pray to your father who is in secret. And your secret prayer life will be rewarded. Many pastors have gone to town with this message, with this thing, and we always talk about if you have a very vibrant spiritual life in private, then you will see the result of that private spiritual life in public. When you have a private walk with God strong, then your public life also will be strong. If you meet with God in private, he will reward you in public. Now, all of that is true. I can't go against it. It's not not true. Okay, it's not untrue. However, that doesn't have to be the case. What I see in this passage is, if you reward, if you, if you meet with God in secret, your secret prayer life will be rewarded in secret. In the privacy of your time with God is the reward. You get to spend time with Him. You get Him. You get Him full on, 100% all yours. I mean, what could top that as a reward? If anything is more valuable than that, we have a problem. Are you with me? And the father who sees in secret will reward you. He's saying that if you take time out, if you come into the room, if you shut the door, he will make your time worthwhile. He'll make it count. He'll make it worth your time. You won't regret it. Do not heap up empty words, because the Gentiles use empty words. Gentiles, everybody else. For your father knows what you want before you ask it. And then you go into the whole argument, hey, the Lord already knows what you want, so you don't have to say all your prayers. Then what's the point of praying? What's the point of telling God if he already knows what you want? That's not the point of this passage. The point of the passage is simply this. Many words, many words. It isn't your words that make it to his heart. It's not your words, the words of your prayer that make it to his heart. It's that you are praying that makes it to his heart. It's that you are in his presence. It's that you have shut the door. It's that you have taken time out. It's that you are committed to lingering in the presence of God that leaves you a healthier, more vibrant being. That is the reward. It's that you are dedicated to listening to his voice and being with him that gets your prayers answered, not the words. The Gentiles, they think for their many words they will be heard. But you don't have to put many words. He already knows. You could be in his presence for one hour, not say a thing, and he'll still answer your prayers. You don't have to go out and say, oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. Now next time it will only be Wednesday morning. Now I have to wait till Wednesday morning. This is not Indian bureaucracy. Come back next week. What a joy. What a privilege to be in the presence. And this God who rules the universe, who calls the world into existence says, come, spend some quiet time, private time. Your faith has been riding on the church, on the pastor, on some uncle, auntie, some preacher on God TV, some book, some author, too long. Your faith has been riding on something else, someone else, too long. It's time for you to take it one-on-one -on -one with God. And no matter where you are, you may not even be a Christian today. I don't care where you are. You can begin to start talking to God. And he will reveal himself to you in private in ways that you have never man. I'm saying that your private time with God is even more important than coming to church. And I say that with full confidence, not afraid that you'll stop coming to church. Because if you had your private time with God, you'll come running to church. 
Oh, what a lovely, what an amazing joy and privilege he's given to us. So if you want to set your prayer life, your personal prayer life on fire, if you want God to ignite it and bring it to life, here's five ways to do it. Here's five ways to deepen your prayer life. Are you ready? Number one. Number one, think about who you are talking to. So you shut the door, you come in, you sit down, okay? Let me tell you something you're not going to like. It's going to take you half an hour to 45 minutes for your brain to stop wandering. For you to stop thinking about who was that last text. You just heard the text. As you shut the door, you heard a text. The program, the agendas for the day. The screaming and shouting of the family members. All the worries of this day. It will take some time for all of that to settle down. And you need to recalibrate your view of God. You need to come before him with a biblical perspective of who you're talking to. Some people have pictures with the most pathetic, insipid, sad pictures of Jesus. We don't pray like that. Most of us don't pray like that. But you've seen uh, all around the religious community where they have pictures of Jesus. And he looks like he just got yelled at. He just got kicked out of school. was told to stand outside glass 10. And who wants to pray to a Jesus like that? Who wants to pray to a God like that? Forget that. But what else? Jesus is my friend. From VBS days, Jesus is your friend. So you start talking to him like he's your friend. But you know what? Let me tell you the truth from this pulpit. He's not your friend. Jesus is not your friend. You don't go to His Excellency Manmohan Singh as, you're my friend. You may be president, you may be prime minister, but uh, you know, we are like, you're my friend. No, it doesn't work. It does not work like that. It's not even funny. God is God and He will remain God and He will continue to act in the capacity of God. And if he has chosen, if you want to use that phrase, to call you friends, it's because the concept of friendship is that he tells you everything that is on his heart. That's why he says, I have not called you servants, I have called you friends, because I tell you what is on my heart. I tell you what I'm going to do. I don't tell my servants what I'm going to do. I don't tell them what my plans are. I tell my friends. And in that capacity, he has called us friends. But we are not his friends. Jesus is not my friend. Don't go into presence with Jesus as a friend. When you go into his presence, the first thing before you start talking is to have a biblical view of who you're talking to. And as you close these eyes, spend time in his presence, you need to enter into his cathedral, into his throne room. You need to enter in this and you need to have a visual. It doesn't have to be idolatrous, but you need to have a visual of the magnificence of God. And that comes from the Bible. You need to open your Bible and you need to read through scriptures before you start praying and get from the scriptures who the God is that you're talking to, who it is that you're dealing with, what your relationship is with him, whose presence you're coming into. You close your eyes and you... And you spend some time in just quietness and wait for God to give you that visual. And then you see those massive, high-reaching doors creak open as your imagination helps you to come into his presence. And the saints of old and the angels usher you into his presence. And you walk down that long aisle 
on the red carpet and you move towards this magnificent throne that you can barely see because it's surrounded with light because he lives in unapproachable light and as you come in you feel warmer and you feel more and more happy to be in yet you're getting scared and you're trembling and as you walk towards slowly walk towards the throne of God you hear the beautiful music that surrounds the throne and the and the worship that surrounds the throne and you're in awe and you cannot believe that you're here you're sitting in a Vasant Kunj house or a CP house and you're just in a normal room one minute and the next minute you've been lifted up into the presence of God and there you are walking towards that throne and out of this unapproachable light comes the image of a man and this is Jesus because he has come from the father he has revealed to us the father and he is the one the face that God has given to us and he comes out of that light and he sits with you and you fall on your knees and you begin to worship and praise him and adore him and you cannot believe you have been allowed into this most holy place and then you begin to pray And then you begin to pray. You don't go through that experience. You don't go through that mental exercise, that academic exercise, that spiritual exercise. Your prayers are just going to be a grocery list. And Lord, we also need, and, and Lord, please also bless them and bless that person. And Lord, we also, and thank you for this good day. Amen. Your Prayer life is reduced to a grocery list without the actual experience of knowing who you are talking to. And let me tell you, body language helps. Which helps. As long as you're standing, you think that the person you're talking to is on the level. But when you kneel, it's a whole different story. And if you've passed 40, then your knees will remind you that you are a weak man. And as, as you, you, you spend time on your knees, you kneel. I mean, how long has it been since you knelt? It's a humbling experience, especially for men. Men, we must kneel. We should kneel. We don't kneel. And when it's been a long time since you have knelt, humility is robbed of you. When you kneel, you recognize you are powerless. It's a bodily expression. It is a physical expression of your surrender and worship of God. Standing and praying, sitting and praying, one leg on top of another, arms thing like praying. What is this? What is going on? You're like, no, no, you know, you, God is everywhere. He's outside, he's inside. God is everywhere. I can be lying down. I can be reading my Bible like this. It doesn't really matter. I can put my leg up. I can do what I like. It doesn't really, What matters is the heart. Please, seriously. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? The more and more modern we get, the more and more disrespectful and irreverent we get. And we have lost reverence. And where better to see reverence than in the private room with God? Kneel. You need it. You need it. Declare his lordship in your life. Let yourself hear. Let yourself hear yourself saying, God, you are God, not me. We need it. Number one, think about who you are talking to. Got it? Number two, come under the scanner. You want to 
Deepen your spiritual communion with God. You want your prayer life to catch on fire. The second thing you want to do is pray the weaknesses into your life. Pray the weaknesses of your life. Come under the scanner and as God runs the scanner over you, he will find the areas of your life that are not resonating with him, that are not in sync with his attitude, with his purposes, with his heart, with his pleasure. Are you with me? Are you with me? People call this, search me, O God, find my sin, and then they talk about repentance. I have a problem with that because I find my wicked heart is not always ready to repent every time I'm in God's presence. I'm here in God's presence because I love God. But there is sin in my life, and I'm not ready to let go of it right now. For the most part, I should be repenting right away. But oftentimes, if I'm really truthfully honest with myself, I'm not ready to let go. That relationship, that priority, that value, that attitude, I'm not ready to let go. But let me at least talk about it with God. Are you with me? Talk about it with God. God, I've had this attitude for a while towards this particular person or in this particular situation. It's not okay with you. I know you're ticked off with me about this. But can we just talk about it, please? I'm telling you, your spiritual life will go to another level when you start getting real with God. And let me tell you how spiritual victory happens, how victory over sin happens. When you're praying about your sin, you're praying about your brokenness, you're praying about these things, you realize victory takes time, that some sins, some habits, some priorities are removed from your life over a period of time. Victory doesn't happen overnight, just like the sin didn't come into your life overnight. You then begin to pray and ask God. You beg God to give you a holy hatred for the sin you're caught up in. So outside the room, or the secret room, you're involved in some sin in your life. Every day, everyone, somebody, there's always something in our life. Let's be real. Okay, I'm involved in this sin in my life. All right. And when I'm talking to God in person, in private, I talk about that and I say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Even yesterday, you know what I did. Even yes, why do I keep falling in this area? Why? And every time I talk about it openly with him, I ask him to fill in me a hatred. Over there, I'm loving the sin. Over here, I'm asking God to give me a hatred for it. Are you getting with me? You getting what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, out there, I'm loving it. I don't care about it. I just want to do it. Over here, over here, I'm saying, Lord, I don't, like what I, I don't like what I'm like out there. Give me a hatred. And then what God does is, he begins just by being in his presence, He begins to rub off on you. His holiness shines on you. And he begins to give you a holy hatred and a disgust. He's going to take the taste out of your mouth for that. You know, I gave up coffee. I loved coffee. I was like coffee every half an hour. And I thought I could never ever go off coffee. And now the very taste for coffee has gone. The taste itself for coffee is gone. So now if you say, what would you like to drink? I'll say, can you make a cup of tea? You say, but would you like some coffee? I would say, no. You say, oh, but I already prepared it. I already made it. I'm like, doesn't matter. I don't want it. I don't have a taste for it. That's what God does with sin. That's where spiritual victory happens. God gives you a distaste for it. You're not just, oh, I won't do, I won't do. I really want to, but I won't do. You live like that, you go mad. You go mad. You need to get on in life not not having a desire to do those things. Wouldn't that be easier? Wouldn't that be easier? Like, let's say lying. Let's say lying, for instance. I love to lie because it gets me out of a lot of situations and it gets me ahead of things. Gets me ahead in, in, in my race in this life. 
But if I have begin to develop a hatred for it, I will not have a taste, a desire to do it. I would much rather live spiritually without the desire than to have the desire. It's like, no, 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 no. That's how you and I live. We are living, we're living with the desire. We want ice cream. We want ice cream, but all around us is no ice cream. No, 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 no ice cream. No ice cream. You're living your life, walking around with every street sign saying no ice cream. But the desire is still there. How can you live like that? No wonder you get ticked off with God. You get frustrated. You get ticked off with yourself. The prayer life is about asking God to change the desires, the very appetites. And that's when you come to life. Identify it, call it, keep praying. Listen, keep praying God's power to resist it. Keep praying God's holiness to detest it. Hang around in God's presence long enough till you move from guilt and boredom and scattered thinking to calm, quiet contemplation. Hang around in his presence long enough till you move from guilt, boredom, and scattered thinking to calm, quiet contemplation, place of joy, place of conquest. He will lead you to that place of tremendous awe for him. Number three, ask God to increase your faith. Pray about your faith. Pray about your faith. Pray about your faith. It's the most important thing in your life. It's the most important thing in your life. There is a constant attack on your faith life. It is choked by the cares of this world. Do you remember that story about the sower? Yeah? You remember the story about the sower? The four soils, the sower went out to sow. And the first one was? The pathway, the footpath. The second one was rocky soil. The third one was, yeah, so it was regular soil, but then there were thorns also grew up and then it choked it. Let's take the second and the third one. You threw the seed, you preached, and they received it with joy, he says. They received it with joy. That Sunday morning, pastor loved the sermon, pastor. Nice sermon. Monday, do you remember the sermon? Rocky soil. Rocky soil. That's why you have to keep coming back Sunday after Sunday. Nice sermon, Pastor. Monday, it's gone. I don't know where it is. Rocky soil. Didn't even take root. The second one is more interesting. Second one is good soil, but then the thorns grow up. The thorns choke it. So this gets you up to Wednesday. Sometimes even Thursday. Depending on how good the sermon was okay gets you up to thursday then what happens is the worries and pleasures of this world the passage says begins to choke your spiritual life out so by the time you come to the next sunday the fruit of the seed of the previous sunday is choked out there is an attack on your spiritual life your faith life is actually somebody's hate agenda and you've got to take it seriously and make it your prayer point. There are times when you feel lulled into spiritual complacency from sheer busyness or through the constant company of unbelievers. You can just lie, just go to, your spiritual life can just go to sleep. You're not just being lulled. You're not, it's not attacked out of you. It just slowly just falls asleep like some of you are doing right now. Next Sunday, wake up. 
has lulled into complacency. How? Sheer busyness, distraction, entertainment, constant company of unbelievers. There is no input. There is no chance for the faith to grow. Make it your biggest prayer point. You talk about my faith. Lord, what is happening? Am I growing? Am I growing? Am I becoming more like you? Is there anything in my life you want to work through? Lord, why is it that I haven't, that I'm not more committed to you than I was one year ago? Why is it that I'm not excited about this or excited about that? Why have I lost the desire for the lost? Things like that. Talk about it. Talk about it. Because our faith is under attack. You can go cold. Many of you have gone cold. You can lose your appetite for spiritual things. The things of God lose their grip on you. You're not in awe of him anymore. Irritability and frustration set in. Now everyone and everything is an interruption to your peace. And your faith dies. But God wants to reward you in secret with a thriving faith that will undergird your public life. If you respond to the tug of God in your heart for a deeper commune with him, a desire to meet him in the secret place, he will inject power and joy into your faith life. Number four, plan. Plan. If you're going to meet one of the big officials of the government, if you're going to meet the principal, if you're going to meet an interview uh, committee, you go prepared. You make sure that you have your thoughts sorted. When you go into the presence of God, we go on like as if God will take any nonsense. We don't think through it. We need to plan. We need to prepare. We need to break up our prayer requirements and needs so that every day we're praying for something specific. Did I lose you? Did I lose you? This is about the time in the service where we want distraction. Yeah? You plan your prayer life. Have a little booklet. Plan what you're going to be praying about every day. And divide the areas of your life. Get coverage of every area of your life. God is hearing, caring. And lastly, spend time and not words. Spend time and not words. The more time and frequency you practice his presence the more seriously he will take you. The more often you are found in that room, the more seriously God will take you. And the more often you're found in that room, the more hunger he will give you to be in that room. It's a sweet mix of insatiable hunger with complete satisfaction. You're never, you, you never have enough of God. At the same time, he is completely enough. You never have enough of God. Insatiable at the same time, he is completely satisfying. It's all about appetite. Deep calls to deep. The spirit yearns for the values and values the things of the spirit. So, three B's. Number one, Bible praying. Bible praying. Open your Bible and pray. Get a biblical perspective of who you're talking to. Let the word become your prayer request. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Bible praying. The second one is breathing praying. Breathing, praying. So you're in private with God, but every day, every hour outside, you like the way you breathe. You are in unbroken fellowship with God. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Consider my sighing. The Hebrew word can be translated for meditation or sighing, breathing. Consider my breathing prayer. Lord, constantly be in communion with me. And thirdly, bulk praying. Take everything to God. Take absolutely everything to God. The plans of man are plenty, but God is the one who gives the increase. 
It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So bring everything to the Lord. And three B's. Number one, Bible praying. Two, breathing praying. Three, bulk praying. May the Lord bless you. I really hope this doesn't stay a sermon. I hope this stays, this becomes one of those, yeah, I'm going to do something about this. And I hope that next week you'll have something to say about it. Next week we'll talk about praying for those who persecute you. Relationships in our life that are conflict issues that God has said, don't fight it, pray about it. Hi, I'm Jeremy Dawson. And if you liked what you just saw, if it was a blessing, then hit the subscribe button. Come on, you can do it. Hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us. Lots of videos coming your way, songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know. Write a comment in the section below. But let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe.